Frank Kermelitic and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine. Please excuse the following sound quality. We recorded this interview in the outdoors in Sydney's in a west and apparently under a flight path. So please excuse some of the noise, but enjoy the interview. Thank you. Alexander Symes founded his eponymous architecture firm in 2014 with a mission to advance sustainable architecture. Alex's technical expertise in building physics and facade system design is built on experience he gained working in Arab's building physics and facade engineering teams from 2010 to 2014. He has hands-on experience with construction and design for manufacture, assembly, and a passion for how to put buildings together. The winner of numerous awards, including the Single Dwelling New and Best of the Best Awards at this year's Sustainability Awards, Alex has a specialist training in the design and delivery of passive houses, which he believes offer a pathway towards exceptionally comfortable and, of course, healthy homes. Alex also loves to collaborate with like-minded individuals and to test the boundaries of how we challenge the status quo to advance sustainable architecture. And here he is talking to architecture and design. So welcome, Alex Sign. Tell me what is meant by sustainable design in the world of Alex Symes. What do you call sustainable design? Um, great way to start a, an interview. Um, <laughs> um, it's shifted a little bit um, over time for us. Like when I first started this journey, it was about um, making as lower environmental impact on every project as possible. Right. And it's shifted in the last sort of five years to sort of a balance of making sure that what we design is robust enough and future-proofed for future climate scenarios, plus being as lower impact as possible. So unfortunately, when you're designing for that robustness, you can't do it to the absolute minimum environmental impact um, because you've got embodied energy to, to make it as robust as possible for future climate scenarios so there's this tension between trying to do best practice in terms of material selection and and things but also make sure that it's future-proofed so yeah it's, it's a weird tension that hopefully when you look at it from a over, overall life cycle assessment is the best outcome Okay, that's actually really interesting. There's a tension. Um, would you say then the, the, the actual where we're going with sustainability, build sustainability, is in flux? Well, I think there's, there's, different, there's different sort of approaches. Like there's the have the, the least impact possible through um, adaptive reuse and use what the existing sort of... Uh, building stock is there and, and do as minimal intervention. However, sometimes that's not going to result in a comfortable building long term down the track, which will have to be updated. So I think it's sort of going when you are going to start to um, upgrade a thermal envelope, you make sure you do that to the best practice possible because if you're not doing it to the best practice possible, it's just a waste of money, it's a waste of resources, etc. So I think 
you need to make the right decision at the right time of what what you're doing like so sometimes it can be just a, a lick of paint is the most sustainable thing to do but if you are going to actually invest that money in upgrading a facade and upgrading a structure and a thermal envelope you, you do it to the best practice principles because if you're not then it's just going to be um, something that will have to be pulled out or ripped down at some point in the future okay interesting, interesting. okay um, so you recently won two awards at the 2022 sustainability awards and many many others over the years does winning awards like that help validate what uh, what you do or is it or is it just white noise uh for in terms of the overall business oh it's definitely not white noise like um being recognized for what we're doing is um it's it's really important and it helps validate what we do internally as a team and also our collaborators our builders our clients our consultants so what we're trying to do is shift to a more um, sort of balanced uh, sustainable world so no it's definitely not white noise and um, I, I sort of um, I, I think that like these particular sort of things like so much effort goes into organizing them and judging them um, like it's uh, they're, they're, they're great moments each year to reflect on how you actually have done a project and to analyze that um, objectively and if it comes to winning an award that's that's a, a great outcome but it's not necessarily about winning an award it's about sitting back and objectively reviewing how your project has um, has gone against the criteria that's important to you and just presenting that and having it um, assessed okay interesting um, so tell me about the path where, where you are now in terms of being a, high, a highly respected and regarded architect. Um, what, in your mind, was a pivotal point in this journey? Or was there a, a number of pivotal points? Um, or was it actually a slow evolution to where you are now? Um, it's nice to hear you say that we're um, sort of uh, that, at that point in our career, but I think we're very much in our formative years like okay. I'm still um, I'm 39 years old um, I have been doing this for quite some time but it's been a very deliberate journey so okay. like back in 2004 when I was at university and really was wanting to try and create lower environmental impact outcomes um, it was a very fringe sort of um, thing and I've been on a very deliberative process of trying to work within the architecture profession and then merge into the engineering world um, to upskill myself to deliver certain um, sort of outcomes. So um, it's we're, we're in our formative years where I'm only learning how to run a business and run a team and I'm not doing that great. I, like I'm constantly trying to um, improve the the team effort that right. we're, we're trying to do like I, I don't want to just be designing stuff for the rest of my life I, I want to be designing it within a team and, okay. and work to a, a larger outcome so um, yeah I, I think we're we're still in our formative years so it's a bit like sustainability it's a learning process uh, constantly it's a constant evolution like we're so far behind in terms of sustainability like if if we look at actual our impact on the environment and how we can create uh, a regenerative architecture or, or uh, 
sort of equity between um, sort of the lower income countries and the higher income countries that we're, we're so far behind yeah. that, that balanced um, ecological process that we just constantly have to be sort of striving within the constraints that we have to make a better world because if we're not constantly doing that we're never going to get to um, that balance but you also can't get dragged down by the fact that it's really difficult to restore that balance because there's so many things outside of your power in terms of the political processes and wars and all that sort of yeah. stuff that look at a global process but um, yeah every every year we try to improve our processes um, to make sure that our buildings are more robust um, have a lower environmental impact and um, operating more on a scale that has more influence. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Looking at all your projects, um, is it just me? Um, I, I'm finding it hard to find a common theme. You seem to be a bit bit how would I say a bit of a a bit of a design tart dare I say um, <laughs> now in terms of in, in terms of in terms of the type of building you know that you actually look, look at is that is that my is that my impression or, or do you actually is is there something underlying that I missed that you actually focus on actually we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna do this because of X um, well you yeah, know no building looks the same yeah. because it's a different site it's a different client it's um, a different process so we we very much we have a very similar process throughout every project but the end result is never the same um, because we we look at what is the environmental um, sort of opportunities or what are the constraints of a particular project and we try and come up with a result that is an environmental functionalist aesthetic so yes no no two buildings look the same I think there's there's, there's similarities in terms of the, the sharpness or the um, I suppose directness of how we we detail things because we, we don't want to necessarily have stuff that is superfluous it, it all has right. to be functionally um, doing stuff but like I, I had a, a great um, university um, lecturer at um, John Gamble back at um, UNSW and he sort of said that um, the best musicians in the world were jazz musicians not because they um, played every note perfectly or um, they uh, it was it was more about that they learnt how to respond and react and reply to scenarios and that's really what we try to do is not have a set process but rather go in this moment what is what is the the sort of the reaction that gets the best outcome and drives the process in a, a more positive direction so um, we, we try to think of ourselves more as as jazz musicians than um, classical pianists so you improvise exactly yeah it's it's about what what in this moment what is the best bang for buck we can contribute to a project okay tell me the exact opposite then so tell me about the projects you won't work on uh, 
uh, is, is there such a thing? Um, after, I, after I just called you a design tart. But no, <laughs> seriously. Um, is there such a thing? And, and, and if so, why won't you work on them? There's, there's definitely projects that I, uh, I, I won't work on and I've said no to stuff. But I don't think it's necessarily like here's a, here's a list of I'll work on these projects but we won't work on these projects because things evolve over time and if yeah. you if you if you um if you put like down a, a definite i won't work on this um then you you sort of um put yourself in in a certain cate- category that um I, I just don't think is necessarily helpful because i actually think it's more about who you're doing the projects for okay so um it's about finding those like-minded clients that want to um, sort of push the boundaries of sustainability. So our, our mission is advancing sustainable architecture. So every project, we're looking for opportunities to create a case study or a best practice moment to move the industry forward. So as long as a client is happy to explore that opportunity, then we'll put our best foot forward on on any project. Obviously, there's there's projects that I'd go, no, we just philosophically disagree with that as a functional. We don't think that that meets our particular objective, but um, it, it, it's, it's more about the client and their willingness to do the best within the project constraints. Okay. The exact opposite then. If you if you were given a wand, a Harry Potter style, um, what would be your penultimate project, and what would you love to work on? I don't think it's necessarily about a um, a project. It's more like a system. Like right. in in my head, it's like the the most the, where we're trying to move towards is doing the most considered most low environmental impact projects the most comfortable projects in terms of a changing climate and also are the most sort of economic and and transparent to clients and because there's so many um, competing interests within the the built environment that that make that equation sort of impossible so i have this very utopian dream that we can create a system that makes that work and we 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 we've gone into sort of prefabricated customizable housing in the past and that that's been a great journey and a great learning experience and i do hope that at some stage over the next decade that that dream of creating something that is purely sustainable and economical and respectful of the world's resources can be achieved. Mm-hmm. So you're a, you're a you're a certified passive house designer. Um, it's actually a, a really interesting thing that I, I love reading about passive house. So tell me, should this be the standard that, that, that we adhere to, and if so, how would we get there? Like it, it's a pretty. Um, robust and intense standard. It is. So get, getting everyone to be a certified passive house consultant and everyone um, paying for that and the cost of construction, whether that's the eventual outcome, um, hopefully, 
but um, and it's happening in other countries but I I don't think that's the only path forward I think it's more about education about what is the passive house principle so right. making sure you have a high performance insulation glazing controlling infiltration avoiding thermal bridges and, and having sort of energy recovery within the thermal envelope is the like that's the basics 101 of how to design a thermally responsible envelope so right. whether it's passive house whether it's a, another sort of approach i think everyone understanding um, those and the passive house training um, is definitely something i highly recommend for everyone to do like there's half day courses one day courses two week courses but but understanding that um, before going in and um sort of saying it's not appropriate for our climate I think is the, the first thing I say to anyone who says passive house is, is not for Australia um, but I, I think it's really about applying passive house principles they're doing everything to a, a certified standard I think will take um, too long we don't have all the products yeah, um, okay. and there's too much a shift in the industry but if we just apply those those passive house principles um, we'll go a long way there I guess it's a bit, uh, it's a bit wishful thinking, is it? Like getting a minor change to the NCC, is it, is it, it, it was a bit like moving heaven and earth. So applying an entire standard might, or changing an entire standard might be a bit of a, like a utopia. Yep. So you mentioned that you were 39 years young. Um, where do you think, or where would you like your career, the design world, to take you? I mean, fast forward 20 years from now. Like, I'm pretty happy with where we are at the moment and, um, like, what we've achieved to date. Um, yet, I'm every day trying to do something better. Um, okay. So, we're, I think the, the main thing that I'm personally trying to concentrate on the moment is, is building a team. So, we're a small team of five. Four of us are certified passive house consultants. The fifth will be certified um, earlier in the next year so that's that's step number one um, we are just trying to I suppose lock down those core skills so that we can then apply them to whatever scale project that comes up in whatever project in the future so um, I don't know where the next 20 years is going to take us but if we get up each day and we um, the improviser every architect I've ever spoken to to a fault has either been either a musician or sorry frustrating musician or an artist outside of their actual career yeah do you think maybe there's I mean this is probably a dummy's question for me but do you think maybe there's there's a there's a kind of a symbiosis between those 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 strains that, that um that you know that makes architects uh, lean that way yeah, well, I, I suppose it's just that um, that creativity and that um, 
improvisation and ability to um, get what's in your head out. Like I, I love cooking, I love music, I love I love art, and they're they're, they're very like mastering any of those is a is a is a very long journey, and I, I'm well off any of that. But I feel like it's a very um, instantaneous reaction as opposed to architecture or building. It's it's a it's a long slog that that has many stakeholders and can sometimes um, not be the most free experience. So to be able to release one in music or a painting or um, to, to, to cook up a, uh, a meal for your kids one Sunday morning um, gives that, that moment of freedom. Uh-huh, okay. It seems a bit like journalism. It's not as architecture and journalism. They're not as free as they seem. Um, Alex Symes, founder and, and principal of Alexander Symes Architects. Thank you very much for your time. You're most welcome. Thank you. And I look forward to you um, next year uh, entering the Sustainability Awards again and, and hopefully winning again. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best. Thank you. You've been listening to Talking Architecture Design. Until next time, goodbye. That was our Alexander Symes interview, and I've got to apologise for the sound quality. That was the first and last time we'll be recording interviews in the outdoors, especially in Sydney's inner west. But thank you very much for listening to Talking Architecture and Design. I'm Brent Kermelitic, and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine.